2: You're listening to Healthy Mind Matters, brought to you by Intermountain Healthcare on KSL News Radio. Thank you for joining us for Healthy Mind Matters. I'm Maria Shalaios. Today we've been talking about emotional struggles of the multicultural communities. During COVID-19 and protests, and with me, Nubia Pena, the director of the Utah Division of Multicultural Affairs, Byron Russell, who is the co-chair of the Multicultural Subcommittee of Utah's COVID-19 Task Force, and Zeman Sow, who is the director of Salt Lake County's Office for New Americans and also co-chairs that task force. Let's talk about for a moment just how communities have been impacted, multicultural communities have been impacted by bias. I mean, we're in the middle of a pandemic. And we've heard stories of some of those in the Asian community experiencing discrimination as a result of the pandemic starting in China. And then we have all of these protests that have arisen uh, dealing with um, issues that we need to deal with in our police force and causing other sorts of discrimination and biases to other parts of our community. So maybe Nubia, you begin and and just talk about how these sorts of things are just adding to the pandemic.
0: Absolutely. Thank you so very much for bringing up this critical issue um, that's really compounded the complexity and severity of mental health um, crisis for multicultural communities. But as it relates to our Asian community, xenophobia rates have increased drastically since COVID-19 started. Um, we have had in on college campuses where for example a student was licensed in the face and told to go back to their country um, individuals had racial slurs tagged on their dorm room um, and their and you know their lockers I mean it's just something where people are afraid they are genuinely afraid of how they're being treated of how their families might be treated and then when we talk about the protest and black lives matter, um, people who don't agree with the sentiments and positions of um, the movement have also been very hostile towards um, Black and African-American community members. So we know that this is happening. And what we are calling um, as an action for our communities, our allies, is that they be bystanders, that they intervene, that they engage, and that they disrupt Uh, abusive behavior, right? That we just as a community stand together and say, we will not tolerate this in our home. We will not tolerate this in our town, in our city. Um, And that we can really come together to understand the conversation because this is about systemic harm, historical harm. Um, You know, the, the, the conversation really requires us to have compassion and to be able to speak with one another to understand the lived experience of someone that's very different from ourselves.
2: Byron, what would you add?
1: Well, you know, I, I agree. I think that, um, you know, there is a great need for sensitivity and not just for us to speak to our individuals who are most affected. But we also have to rely upon our allies, you know, those who are not Uh, members of our multicultural communities or vulnerable communities, we have to think about how we communicate with everyone in the state of Utah, because it's really a collective, isn't it? I mean, when you think about the need of a social contract to think that we are here to help each other, we're here to help our brothers and sisters. And I know that sounds like a platitude, but in this case, the health of every single person in the state is reflective of and responsible for everybody else's health. You know, you could probably create laws that stop people from smoking in certain areas. But this is different. This is a virus, and this is a virus that actually is carried by people who are working on the front lines, people who are receiving, um, people who are in places and they don't know. And so I think that for us to be able to think of somebody whose faith Or race or income or beliefs are somehow isolated from this pandemic is in itself not scientifically possible, but compassionately possible is understanding that we have to help each other and to help each other, we have to be open minded. And I think the minds open when our allies um, who are at the tables of decisions, whether it's in state government, whether it's in business, um, CEOs or whomever, we need to make sure that they are carrying the message to communities who will listen to them, as opposed to us trying to communicate and a message that may not necessarily be as effective. So I think we have to find and have those uh, opportunities to carry those messages so that people believe it. And here's the other thing, we just can't do it once. This has to be ongoing. You know, This pandemic made us all feel like, oh my gosh, You know, in March we were just in a mode of like, okay, what do we do? And then April comes and May comes and then Memorial Day comes and we all kind of think, well, yeah, that was important then. It's important now, and it will not only be important now, but it will be important after the pandemic, because then we have to think about what did we do in this time to change those systemic, um, those systemic variances of, of people's lives that really will make a difference into the future for future generations.
2: Zee? Yeah,
3: I really want to build on this issue of compassion. I think it's so important. Um, I think that Utah is in a a better position than many um, other places in the nation, um, you know, as I mentioned before, I direct the Office for of New Americans and work with immigrants and refugees in the community. And at, 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 um, at the core of it, I think our community is a very welcoming community. I think that this pandemic really provides us to go one step further into it and think deeper about how we can uh, welcome individuals in the community and truly, truly accept them for who they are, their lived experiences that um, they, contribution to a community will build, help us build a more resilient um, community together. And so I think that uh, this really does give us an opportunity to, to go deeper and think deeper on how we, um, how we accept individuals, how do we uh, make sure that we have the compassion and um, understanding of where people are coming from.
2: We've talked about some huge disparities being uh, experienced by our multicultural community, so I want to make sure before we end the program that we talk about support that is available for them. So what are some of the resources that are available? Z, maybe you start here. What, What are some resources that you encourage people to take advantage of?
3: Um, well, I think for the for the communities, there is a lot of great like, resources that Nubia has mentioned earlier. Um, a, they're, they're all community-based service organizations. One thing that I think I really want to highlight uh, before we end here today is how important those community-based organizations are. Our community knows what is best for them, um, and they have come up with the most uh, innovative uh, solutions, address some of the 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 barriers that that has come together. And so I encourage people to really reach out into the community and those community-based organizations who are doing the works in the grounds.
2: Byron?
1: Yes, and um, there are some um, resources that we hope um, we can discuss in more detail. Um, The legislature, along with the administration, did approve funding for some of those community-based organizations who are on the ground and have a track record and are uh, meeting the needs of those for basic needs, whether it be, gosh, for you know uh, rent or for making sure that um, their their very very basic needs to live are in existence, and so you know we'll be announcing some of those very shortly. Um, but I think it's important to realize that um, these organizations are have such demand. um, But unfortunately, the resource uh, for their support is extremely needed. And so we have a very small amount, relatively speaking, for the entire state's needs. But we are very, very, um, we're we're very positive that these organizations will distribute them because they know best where they should go.
2: All right, Nubia, I'm going to give you the final word here.
0: Thank you so very much, Maria, again. Um, A few resources for people interested in mental health services and support. There is the Multicultural Counseling Center. There is Latino Behavioral Health. Um, SAMSARA COUNSELING, Car, AND THE URBAN INDIAN CENTER OF SALT LAKE. ALL OF THOSE HAVE CULTURALLY RELEVANT SERVICES. I WOULD ALSO INVITE PEOPLE TO VISIT OUR WEBSITE. WE HAVE TABS ON THE COVID-19 RESOURCES UNDER MENTAL HEALTH THAT LIST ALL OF THE CULTURALLY RELEVANT AND INCLUSIVE AGENCIES IN THE STATE. AND THEN IF PEOPLE ARE IN NEED OF DOMESTIC VIOLENCE, THERE ARE HOTLINES, THE YWCA, SOUTH VALLEY SANCTUARY, um, YCC IN AUGUST, in Um, we just want families to know that there are people that can help so reach out to us if you can't find those resources we will connect you Um, and just again to know that um, there is help and that they don't have to do this alone so, Maria, we once again want to thank you from the subcommittee and our division um, for giving us the time to discuss this very real and critical conversation with the rest of our committee. And we invite people to visit our website so that they can learn about the resources we have, um, so that they can build capacity to have these conversations around race, equity, inclusion and diversity, but also how they can get involved in financially supporting and contributing the organizations on the front line. All
2: right. Thank yeah. you so much. Thank you. And let's give the website right now. That is multicultural.utah.gov. And thanks to all of you today.